0: Hey, Moto America fans. Welcome to Off Track, Moto America's weekly podcast. I'm Paul Carruthers, the communications manager for uh, Moto America, and I'm joined as always by Sean Vice, who's in the beautiful state of Ohio. I'm out here in uh, in Southern California. Sean, how you doing today?
1: Doing great. I made that big uh, trip back from up to Road America when I drove and uh, got back here. It took me. I it took me a little while to decompress from that weekend. I think it's just because we had so many things going on. I know, Paul, you and I, and and our team of social media people and PR, we were uh, we were going crazy that entire weekend with posts and there was a lot of stuff to talk about. So I, I needed a little more time to you know kind of rest from it. Did you feel that same way?
0: Yeah, I thought it was. Uh... I thought it was an awesome weekend. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've talked about this before, but uh, yeah, it was nice having the fans back. There was so many fans. And I think you brought it up the other day in a call, but uh, you know, it's like, you can always tell if you're, if you're on a scooter or in a, in a golf cart, if, if you're not making any, if you're not avoiding any people, it's not necessarily a good thing. And And this was awesome because, you know, driving around in there and trying to get back and forth from the podium to the media center, there was, there was tons of people in the tunnel there was tons of people in the paddocks you did have to you did have to avoid them while you know you, we did not want to run anybody over so it was a really good sign the weather was like spectacular you know it's it was absolutely perfect and the racing was great so it's it's one of those weekends where you come home and you just feel really good about you know what you what, what, what we were able to accomplish and what we were able to do and I think we made a lot of people happy by giving them a place to go watch some good stuff
1: Yeah, I mean, I felt like the weight of the world had been lifted from everybody's shoulders that was there. You know, it just felt like such a celebration. I mean, people being outside, being around, you know, motorcycles and racing and, you know, the good food that's up there. And, you know, obviously, Mini Cup and all the other things are going on. Absolutely perfect weather the entire weekend. And, yeah, I mean, it just was like one of these Things where there was a confluence of so many great things that happened that people people seemed to be in a particularly awesome mood and and so were we so it was it was a memorable one for sure. Yeah, there was so much going
0: on. You know, the, I thought the mini cup was really cool. Um, I didn't. You know, I'd I'd got a peek of it at, at Pittsburgh, but it was kind of came when at a time it was on at a time when we were pretty busy, so I didn't get the chance to actually go over there and watch some races, just some practice sessions but with this one, we made it over there for the races and, and it was a really good show. That track was like, I mean, it's like a beautiful little track. There's like elevation change and the trees and everything. It was, it was really cool. And it was nice to see so many, so many families, you know, the, 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 they're all family based teams at that level, obviously. And they, they've all got these nice setups and the bikes are all perfectly painted. And, I don't know. It's just, it's really, it would be impressive, especially for someone that that had never seen it before. You're just like, wow, they, they really got their act together. So it was cool.
1: Yeah. You know, those bikes and those riders are interesting too. You really never notice the scale of that bike until you get a full size adult on them or something, which obviously, as we know, talking to Brandon Cretu a few, a couple weeks ago, you can't full size adults for the most part can ride those things, but seeing the, seeing the kids on them, I mean, you know, without, without a proportion or a scale, they look like absolute full time, you know, uh, adult motorcycle road racers going around on those things. And like you said, that track is incredible. They got the, it goes up, up a little bit of a hill and down a little bit of a hill. It's not just a flat car track. I mean, it, they really did a nice job with that facility. And I, I never, I never really knew. I mean, I knew they had a car track. I'd never been to it before at Road America. And it's like, you know, this whole other area. And it's, it's, uh, it was almost like I I don't want to say it's an un, Uh, you know, a secret that people don't know about, because obviously people did know, but you go into this area and it's like, wow, this is a whole other aspect of what our weekend was all about. And, you know, all the, there were so many fans. We, We put a video up yesterday, which I, you probably saw the little section in it where all the riders are kind of congregated, all of our riders, all of the, our professional road racers were congregated together and watching these kids go around, which, those kids had to be pretty psyched to look over and see, you know, Tony Elias and, you know, Sean Dylan Kelly and all those guys watching it. So um, I'm, I'm really glad that not, not only we're supporting it and promoting it, but it seems like our riders are embracing it too, because they know it's, it's certainly the future of, of racing and in America for us. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, if it, think about it. if you're one of those kids and you, and those guys get, come, those guys come and watch you race. I mean, it'd be like, be like playing a little league game at a major league stadium when the major league players they're watching you know it's uh it's it's a pretty special deal for those kids and it's i it can't help but help what we're trying to do here because as as other kids are at home and they see that or they're at the races and they see that i mean what's the first thing they're going to do is hey dad i want to do that yeah so i think i think it plays perfectly into what we're trying to accomplish and i think it'll it'll get things sped up to what we want so that we can start to be competitive with these other countries that have been doing this for a while longer, you know?
1: Yeah. And it's great because I mean, this, when we started out the series, you know, Moto American had the KTMRC cup. And then we have junior cup, which in and of itself is such a great thing for the developing young riders. But to add this, even before that, it, it just is a nice, nice way to set it up for a, a transition, another rung on the ladder, so to speak. And, um, I certainly, we saw some real talent. You could just tell the talent that that's involved in these younger people. And, uh, you know, we'll see them. I'm sure pretty soon in junior cup and up through. So it's going to be fun to watch this all develop. And I, you know, I know we've got three rounds for it this year, but, uh, I, I would can imagine and foresee that it's probably going to be at, at more facilities in the future. Of course, it, it probably has to be at facilities that also have a car has has a car track, you couldn't really take a section of a racetrack and really turn it into something for mini cup. Could you, I mean, you really have to have sort of a, a, a road course that was put in a copy machine and reduced a few, um, percentages, wouldn't you say?
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, I think enough of our places have, have facilities like that. And plus, you know, there's always other places we could go to. I, I think a Brandon Crate, might've touched on it, but, um, you know, I, I could see it developing to the point where maybe there's like an east and a west series uh yeah you know when there's more rounds that way it wouldn't require a family from california to travel so far or or vice versa you know somebody from new jersey so i could see that developing into a nice little kind of east west regional thing where and then you know they meet at the end for a championship kind of like what supercross does so
1: yeah you know it Yeah. It's funny. We talk about this at every race weekend, or at least we feel it, you know, when, when our racing starts, even, even when things get going on, on Friday, but for sure on Saturday and Sunday, when, when we start having the, you know, race one and race two in our classes, I am amazed at how quickly a day goes by. And also sometimes it's hard to even grasp what was going on in, in particular, uh, Series like you know there were compelling stories and in Junior Cup every one of our classes had really cool things with lots of battling going on and interesting stories to talk about and it goes by so quick for us on a Saturday and Sunday that that you know you and I don't really have a chance to talk too much about it we 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 obviously at the end of the day write up the reports for the press releases and get everything out on it and we so and we watch all the races to know what's going on but for you and I to actually discuss it it's something we we don't really get to do too much but. Um, I mean, let's let's start by talking about some of the classes here. Let's talk about Junior Cup. It's interesting that you have a defending champion in Rocco Landers who came back in and we thought, well, he was so dominant last year that he's just going to go nuts again this year with another year under his belt. And he's a little bit he's gotten taller this year. But boy, I'll tell you, Dominic Doyle, the South African, is really given... Rocco everything he can handle in that class and and it's kind of it's kind of gotten Rocco where he can't kind of figure out what's going on or at least he's trying to figure out what what he's not doing or what Dominic's doing but um it's a it's a pretty good battle in that class um don't you think
0: yeah I was uh honestly when when Rocco said that he was going to do the the junior cup um I I was like oh no you know because I was thinking man he's just going to smoke those guys and it's not going to be that good of, uh, of racing anymore. And I was wrong. I mean, it was like, you know, and I, I, you should know better, but I should know better by this point, because it seems like no matter what, there's always somebody who's, who steps up, you know, and is willing or, or is ready to make that next advancement in, in, in their speed, et cetera. And, and Doyle obviously has done that, you know, he's, he, uh, he, he gave him fits. I mean, he's won three of the four races, and it wasn't until the very last uh, Junior Cup race at Road America 2 that that, uh, that Rocco managed to win. And even then, you know, every single race was just a fraction of a second. I've never seen four races. I'm sure there's never probably been four races, in, in at least in Moto America history, or maybe even AMA road race history, that were so close with a combined margin of victory. So it wasn't like Rocco got... Smoked, and it wasn't like Dominic got smoked either I mean it was just like it, it, all four of those could have gone either way and it was good to see um it was good to see Rocco finally win one because I could tell he was just getting a little bit down uh but you know now now we're we're, we're headed to road Atlanta and I just expect more battles between those two for the entire season
1: yeah definitely and, and up through you know down through the class I mean you've got Ben Gladi who joined us halfway through last year. And, you know, he's definitely a good rider from up in new England and, and has, you know, was on the, uh, on the podium and, and uh, there are still great riders that, that advance and continue. You know, there's some that have been in it for a little while now, but then there are some that were a little further back last year, they've come up through and some that have joined us. So um, it's just, there's always a a story to be told. And I, I felt that way. About Supersport too, I'm sure you, I know you and I talked about this uh, and I even kind of felt it among fans or some of the commentary on Facebook and social media that we see. I think a lot of people thought with Bobby Fong moving up from Supersport that, you know, it it was going to be a situation where what's the story to be told? Who's, you know, Sean Dillon Kelly is going to dominate the whole thing. But it's the same thing with with Junior Cup in in Supersport. People step up, and and this year it's just a, a complete battle again. And I, I looked at it over the weekend, and it reminded me of when you know Garrett Gerloff, JD Beach, and Valentin Debeese were, were battling it out. But yeah, we have three other protagonists that are at the front of the field, and and again, it's it's compelling racing. So you know, there's always somebody to step in and and make it happen, I guess. And it, that's still as exciting a class to watch as it always has been.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, I I don't think Richie Escalante's caught too many people by surprise, but I think the the way that he went about his business in those four races might have been a bit surprising because he really, if you look at the margins of victory, I mean he he pretty much dominated. Now Sean Dillon Kelly had a crash and I think that kind of dinged his confidence a little bit. Um, but he came back and he was strong and Brandon Brandon Posh was there as well. But I just think right now Escalante is going to be difficult to beat because he just, if you, he's just full of confidence and he's just got that, that way about him right now that he expects to be doing what he's doing. And I think once you get to that point where you, it's kind of a tipping point, when you get to that point, you're pretty difficult to beat. I think Sean Dylan Kelly's going to respond to that. And I think those guys will have battles. It's just going to be interesting to see who comes out on top because, you know, it's, it, those guys are going to fight. It's going to be good to watch. And, and I think Fosh is also going to step up a little bit more. I think, um, you know, as we had him on the podcast last week and, and he's obviously a bigger kid. Uh, so a place like Road America doesn't really suit his uh, his stature because of the, you know, drafting and all that stuff. So, you know, I think he I think there's some steps to be made by him going forward. And I think we'll see that, you know, beginning at Road America, uh, Road Atlanta.
1: Yeah. And with Richie, uh, it's funny because he's shown a lot of talent for several years now. And, you know, we knew we knew he was good. And this year he's on a bike that it's funny. Now I'm starting to see some commentary. I'm sure you have, too, that people are trying to make a point now that that's a 636, 636 uh, displacement displacement's a little bit bigger, but that bike has been around. And, and James Morris, our technical director, has reminded me that that bike's been around for several years and people have done okay on it, but nobody's really been able to do all that on it, even at Daytona um, when they have the 200. And you'd think there it would be pretty dominant, but it hasn't been the case. It's taken Richie Escalante to get on that bike. And I know it's a Graves bike, so we know it would be very well prepared and is very well prepared, but I think it's a combination. I just think it's funny now that everybody's going like, "Oh, that bike shouldn't be in that that class." And it's like, "Oh, well, it's been there forever." Let let's you know somebody's finally riding it and really you know ex, uh, exploiting its potential. I guess so. Let's let's calm down a little bit here and and it's it's not walking away either with anything. You know, it's it's Oh, no, it's
0: it's ridiculous. I mean, you want to tell those people to piss off? It's like. <laughs> You know, I can tell you, anybody that runs at the front of that field has is not only talented, but they have a good motorcycle under them and they have a good crew. And yeah. the three guys we've just talked about have all of that. So it, it comes down to who's who's the best on that day. But I mean, you know, it's like, can, can anybody let somebody just have some you know, win some races and, and, and do his job and not have to hear about, you know, some outside thing. That's, that's the reason for him doing that. The reason Richie Escalante is winning those races is right now. Richie Escalante is better than those guys.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: Whether that stays the same or not, then we have to wait and see, but it's not because he's on the motorcycle he's on. He's got a good motorcycle. He's got a good crew, but like I just said a few seconds ago, it's like they, they, anybody that runs at the top is, is in that same situation or they wouldn't be there.
1: That's right. You know, I, I have to mention, Paul, you, you, you and I witnessed uh, a little interesting thing sort of before and after our press conference. Um, it's interesting that I didn't know that Sean Dillon Kelly and Brandon Posh, I, I figured they knew each other, but they come from two totally different Circles, sort of. And I didn't know that there would be a lot of, you know, between them, let alone the fact that there's apparently some kind of huge rivalry. And there was a little bit of, I guess I'm going to say trash talking going back and forth between, between the two of them. And you and I were kind of la- uh, laughing about it and thinking we better pay attention to see what's going on here. So, but that being said, they raced so cleanly and, and closely together on the track. There weren't any incidents Despite the fact that we thought they were gonna to come to fisticuffs there in the in the press conference or before it or after it. So that's gonna be one to watch.
0: Yeah, I think it's you know, anytime you have kids coming up through the system and they're of similar age, they're all when you think about it, they're all trying to accomplish the same thing. And, you know, if if Posh wants to get somewhere, he's probably gonna to have to get there by showing that he's better than Sean Dylan Kelly or vice versa. Because Yep. That's just the way it is. So, of course, there's going to be some kind of natural rivalry there. I don't know what their history is as far as when they were kids, if they raced against each other or whatever. I mean, and, you know, you know, Brandon, I, he can trash talk with the best of them, and he's probably been doing that his entire life. So he's probably rubbed, rubbed some people the wrong way. But, I mean, you got to – I mean, I get a kick out of the kid because I, I just think he's funny, and I like the fact that he just says whatever he wants. And and Sean Dylan Kelly's uh, – you know, he's, he's, he, he's not afraid to, uh, to jab a little bit as well. So I, I think it's going to be fun to watch. I think our series having rivalries like that, um, in any way, shape or form is perfect because you're going to have your fans that are for one guy and your fans that are for the other guy. And, and I just think it makes it more interesting. And, you know, I, I the more smack talk, the better I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, that all that continues. And, you know, who knows, I, you know, you, you, it, It rarely gets to the point where it's an issue on track, but if it does, I mean, it does, but, uh, they're, they're two smart kids and they, they both ride extremely well and everybody's safe at this point in time. So it's all good.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about twins cup a little bit. So that continues to be a class where every time we have an entry our entry lists come out for the rounds it, tend- it tends to be the one that always has the most entries and such was the case with road america road america being such an iconic and and cool track to watch let al- to ride on let alone watch um everybody seems to want to race on that one in every class but uh twins cup has a lot of compelling stories too you still got some of the the sort of quote old guys who have been around a little bit and they're they're still showing that they can do some things. Caleb DeCarlo, who's kind of been uh, on this winning streak last year, every race he's entered, he's he's won except that kind of came to a, a halt by Rocco Landers on uh, Sunday. And it, it it's that that's another one that's interesting to watch because there's a lot of passing back and forth and it's not something where you're going to necessarily know who the winner is going to be. Um, I, I continue to really enjoy watching that one.
0: Yeah that's a good class too because you know again there's always someone, someone that steps up that's kind of a surprise. Obviously Rocco is not a surprise. We thought that he would instantly do well. Um, I think he probably adapted to that bike maybe a little bit quicker than every, everybody thought, but you also got to remember he's in the off season. He rode, you know, he rode thousands. Um, so he's not, you know, he got, he got used to a lot more power. So it's not like that twin was just this huge jump from junior cup to the twins cup. Um, you know, he's had some experience on bigger bikes, you know, this off season, but you know, the Caleb to is, you know, he, he won, he'd won every single race that he'd been in until that last, uh, that race on Sunday when he was beaten by by Rocco but uh, again all of those races were extremely close and like you said I mean that you know we get to road Atlanta where I think you'll see some of those quote-unquote old guys get back <laughs> to the front because a lot of those guys have a lot of laps at road Atlanta and they start to get back into uh, you know maybe it's a, a place where it's not a horsepower track and that's not saying those other guys had more horsepower I think I think all the bikes are fairly well balanced, but it just gives them a bit more comfort when they're at a place that they know really well.
1: Yeah. And it, you are uh, mentioning when we're talking a l- quite a bit about, well, when we say about the quote old guys, it's, you know, Chris Parrish who won the championship a couple of years ago and is still hanging in there. He switched uh, brands last year and is from a Suzuki and is racing a Yamaha now. And, and, uh, Jason Madama, the ever colorful Jason Madama who, uh, um, races that number 213 syndicate uh, Yamaha too ha- happens to be both Yamaha bikes. Those guys were factors in both those races. In fact, Madama I thought was, thought was going to get on the, on the podium, you know, again uh, in that second race, but it's one of those things. I, he kind of got out of that group at the end there and he kind of got shuffled back and it can happen anywhere on that, that huge track that's road America, but it just happened to happen for him getting close to the finish line. And he, you know, his results were like, it, you can go from, you know, podium, podium, you mean, well, that's a tough one to say to yeah, uh, <laughs> to <laughs> probably outside the top 10 or, or whatever, you know, it doesn't take much when they're all grouped together like that. So um that was a fun one. Uh let, Let's talk about stock 1000 a little bit. And I, I want to mention a story that I thought was real cool that you, you and I both know about. And it's, you know, Michael Gilbert, who raced with team Norris last year. And now he's kind of going his own. And, uh, when we, when we write these reports up about it, it's always interesting when we say Michael Gilbert racings, Michael Gilbert, you know, so it's a little too much Michael Gilbert in the course of a few words, but he's doing his own thing this year. And, you know, he's been racing for a while and he, uh, he had a situation that with his, uh, his engine. And I I don't think we're telling any secrets to say that we saw a photo of uh, you showed me that you had probably Mike, I'm sure Michael sent it to you, but you know, the whole front of the crankcase on the lower half, by down by the, the crankshaft was uh, was, there was a big chunk taken out of it. And I was like, well, that's, that's cut catastrophic. What are you going to do in a case like that? And it was, it was really cool that he went and talked to uh, it was um, Bradley Ward and Bradley had an extra Kawasaki engine. I assume it had something to do with, Aussie Dave, but maybe Bradley's got the engine himself. I need to track down that story and find out who it is. But regardless, you know, ADR racing and that team fly racing did Michael a solid and, you know, got him an engine and got him back in the show. And I guess that engine was pretty stout because he did he did okay. I mean, it's good to see that out of Michael.
0: Yeah, and it's you know, I think it's one of those things that probably happens more often than you realize. Because I think everybody in that paddock, no, nobody, everybody knows what it's like to have a problem that could potentially knock them out of the race, and that's a long way to go to not get to race. So I think they they all know it could be them. So I think it's it's one of those things where I think it, it probably happens more than you realize that these guys do help each other out like that. And I, I mean it just it just it shows the strength and character of our of our paddock that uh, you know it'd be easy to say oh you know I can't help you I don't have anything. But to give a guy a motor, and then you know he's going to give it back to you when you get to Road Atlanta. I mean, that that's just—I mean—that's a pretty cool thing to to do for somebody. And I know Michael was very gracious and and happy that that he was able to do that. And he got to race, and like you said, he got on the podium. So yeah, it's little stories like that in our paddock that kind of you know it's kind of a feel good thing, and it's it's nice to see that those guys cooperate and work with each with each other like that, especially when you know sometimes they end up you know, they're racing against each other in, in certain cases. So yeah, very cool.
1: Yeah. And I mean, well, we, it was an interesting situation elsewhere in stock 1002. I mean, we're, we're not going to sugarcoat it. We'll certainly talk about it. PJ after that first round had gotten a, a had, had some balancing done to his bike. They put some weight on his, his motorcycle and it it sure in the beginning didn't seem like it affected him too much. In fact, I mean, I heard all kinds of things. you're, you, around the paddock things like oh the extra weight helped him because they were able to put it in a spot where it helped the handling of the bike other people were worried that you know it was going to be such a detriment to that motorcycle but he still was really doing well um on that motorcycle i didn't think it you know, affect him too much but but then you know lo and behold he had a situation which you know i'll let you talk about a little bit um paul yeah thanks <laughs> well if you want me to continue i didn't mean to throw you no, the no, no
0: no it's okay i you know apparently there was some issue with the gas cap um and he ended up getting soaked in the gas there was fire he jumped off the thing um you know and it spiraled downhill from there um you know the poor kid got some burns on him which is the only thing here that really matters is the fact that he's going to be okay because that's a scary situation and And no matter, you know, no matter who believes what happened or what didn't happen, the bottom line is the most important thing in our sport is the people that do it. So in my in that situation, the only thing that worried me was that PJ's health or 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 situation that he was in medically. And as it turned out, you know, it was nice yesterday. He did an Instagram post where it showed him sitting there and, yeah, he's got some burns on his body um, but he's going to be fine and he's going to be back racing with us at Road Atlanta. You know, the rest of it, um, I'm not going to get into, you know, it's, 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 I don't know enough about the situation to comment on it. Um, but I'll just go as far as saying that I'm, I'm happy that PJ's, uh, you know, not as injured as badly as, as what that could have been because anytime there's fire, it's, uh, it's not a good thing. So I feel badly for him that whatever happened, happened and uh and we'll move on it's just nice to see that that they're going racing again and as for the added weight again he's a good motorcycle rider he's on a very good motorcycle and he's surrounded by a very good team so i didn't think the weight would have much of an impact on him and as it turns out i don't think that uh that it actually did um you know i talked to my dad about it and you know he he basically said that he didn't think it would have uh it would have much of an effect, and and apparently they, I think they could put the weight wherever they wanted if they used it to, to make the bike handle a little better or a little differently. Then you know that that's on them. I don't know if that's how that worked out. I'm not technically involved enough to know where the weight was or where the weight wasn't. But uh, again, all that matters to me is that that PJ's fine and he's going to be back at uh, Road Atlanta and he'll be at the front of that race and he'll also compete in the in the Superbike race as he's been doing because. Again, he's a fast guy with a fast bike and a and a good team.
1: Yeah, and I know when we came down to the podium and you know, Sam Lockoff had gotten on the podium who's with that team, Celtic HSBK. And to Sam Sam had actually said something about, you know, his, his thoughts are with PJ and and I had seen at one point there I saw Barry Gilson and the owner of Celtic Racing, and I was gonna go over and talk to him a little bit about it. This was on I guess it was on Sunday and um, he was on the phone. So I'm sure he was on the phone a lot after that. And then, as you said, PJ put out a, a post that we reposted and, you know, a big smile on his face and you could see one of his hand and, and arm was bandaged a little bit. So I, uh, I ended up calling Bobby Sheck about it and he basically confirmed that, yeah, PJ's doing great. He is for sure going to be racing at Road Atlanta in both super, uh, in stock 1000 and super bike on that bike and, you know, onward and upward with that. And he said, he said, he thought that when the situation happened, he had to bail off at about 150. So, um which is a crazy situation in and of itself when the, with the bike on fire, but, you know, it all, it all came out good and, and everything was fine there. And, and like you said, it was good to see that every, everything was fine. You know, the bike can be repaired and whatever needs to be done, but, you know, PJ's, PJ smiling and happy and I'm sure he's back to training and getting ready for this next round again. So, um, but you know, stock 1000 was another good one too. Even with, without him in it, it was, it would have been nice to have him in it on Sunday and certainly see what he could do in Superbike. but onward and upward. I mean, the the guys that were in the class, you know, had it, had an opportunity. And it's not just that bike. It's one less competitor who is a talented rider. So you know they were able to do some stuff and they capitalized on it pretty good but you know that that series is interesting i mean you see there there's certainly a lot of ta- there's a lot of talent in there and when they're also involved in the superbike cup it's great for them to get all the the track time and the seat time that they can and i still i still have a little bit of trouble understanding how things work but uh you know i think just the fact that they get to race in two series and and uh you know mix it up with the with the the big guys, so to speak, is, is good for them because a lot of them are still pretty young. I mean, you think about Ashton Yates, you know, he hasn't been on uh, mo- riding, racing a motorcycle all that long, although most of his life, but he's still a pretty young kid. So um, it's fun to watch those kids on those big bikes do what they can do, though. It's a um, good good thing to, to see. So let's talk about Superbike. It was interesting, again, because a little bit of a situation there with you know, Cameron, is is on another level it seems like this year than last year uh even though he's on a new team it seems like it's gelling real well for him but you just never know what's going to happen and he you know he had a tip over a low side um uh, I heard they tried a different tire on the front and it's debatable whether that was what caused it or it just happened to be one of those things but you know somebody said something about well there's a crack in that turn and I'm thinking how many laps they go around practice in practice and qualifying, I'm sure he knows about that crack. I'm sure he knows to avoid it, but it had to be something with maybe something different with that front tire. But regardless, you know, he had a low side, he was okay. And, and lo and behold, on that second race on Sunday, you know, Bobby Fong, who's been in the spotlight a little bit for several reasons, uh, not the least of which is he's now on a superbike with one of the uh, big teams in the paddock, you know, had his day in, in, on Sunday and, and got his Superbike win, which, Paul, you had mentioned something that's pretty cool. Among, within the pretty long and storied history of AMA Superbike Racing and now Moto America AMA Superbike Racing, there still aren't a huge number of guys that have won Superbike races. Some have won a lot of them. Some have won one or two, and Bobby is now one of those people that joins that group uh, that have actually won a superbike race, and it was a good to see for him for sure.
0: Yeah, it was really good to see. He, you know, I after I saw him before the press conference on when we were going from the podium to there, and and you know he's like, oh, you know, Cameron wasn't there, and blah blah blah. I'm like, nobody cares. I mean, you won a superbike race, enjoy it for what it is, and not, not a great many of. Guys have actually done it, and it—you it, know—when somebody looks back in freaking ten years, no one's going to think, "Oh, he won that race because Cameron Bovier was dominant but crashed in turn one." And it doesn't—it doesn't matter. I mean, you have to embrace that, and that's a big deal. Winning an AMA Superbike National is a big deal. Uh, if you, there, there's a lot of guys that have that have never won one that were very good motorcycle racers. And there's very good motorcycle racers that have only won one of them. Um, but you can hang your hat on it if you do win one. And, and Bobby needs to do that. And, and I, I saw him on Sunday night, and you could tell that he was, you know, he, he'd embraced that a bit more and, and realized that he, he'd he accomplished something without, you know, with or without Cameron. And as for Cameron's crash, I mean, it's, you know, it, there, that, that bump in turn one is, like, notorious. I mean, they know it's there but you know what you people make mistakes and you're probably talking about a couple of inches and he just he you know he got it wrong and and wasn't able to save it and 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 crashed and you know he seemed fine after the race it's like yeah okay um it happened let's move on i also think he's probably more like that than he has been in previous years because he also knows that you know he he's fairly dominant at this point uh you know and he probably in his mind has he has no doubts that he's going to pick up right where he left off when we get to road Atlanta and be just as dominant. If those guys are closer than they're closer, but it's not going to be from him sliding down in any way. I mean, they're going to have to step up to get to him because he's not coming backwards.
1: Yeah. Um, well, so, so here we go. We're nearing the end of this podcast, but of course let's talk about the situation with Matthew Skoltz and Tony Elias. It was interesting. We always see with Matthew, he's, a pretty dramatic rider, the way he looks on the bike and how he tries so hard. And what you know, that team is, is very popular in the paddock, uh, Westby racing. And, and, you know, Matthew was second at, uh, in one of the races at the first round, but he is the first one to admit that he struggles a little bit with road America for whatever reason. Um, I don't know if it's the bike or if it's, if it's him, but it, it seems like he just has these moments sometimes where, you know, things happen and it's debatable, but he went into that chicane, uh, saw, thought he saw a gap, saw a gap, went into that chicane and felt like he had room up the inside. And before he knew it, it tightened up pretty quickly. And, um, it's interesting to see what is arguably probably the most muscular and biggest guy in superbike against the one that's, also muscular, but maybe not quite uh, the size in terms of height, going up against each other, and they're really good friends. In fact, I had heard earlier in the day Tony was actually down in that paddock talking to the team, and you know, just having a good time with them. And then, and then this whole thing happened. So, um, but but uh, Paul, talk talk about. I loved how you had noticed when Tony went sliding off the track. Probably one of the easiest and. and most comfortable low side you'd ever see and he was pretty much back on his feet but but what he did for that moment talk talk about that it makes me laugh a little bit
0: well let's start with like i i feel for both of those guys yeah Uh, tony tony's had such a frustrating start to the season that you he's probably at that point where you're like you know what what else could go wrong i mean Basically he's had, he's had everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. He's had a mechanical problem. He's had a couple of crashes, you know, he's, he gets taken out by Matthew. Um, but it was funny. Yeah. He popped up and he had his hands on his hips and he looked like a little soldier down there. And I was like, wow. And then he realized, Oh shit, you know, this thing's running and there's no, I'm going to need all the points I can get. So he got going again, but um, you know, that's, he's a colorful guy and, and he wears his emotions on his sleeve. And, you know, I think, you know, I, Matthew probably could have had a bit more patience with what he was doing. But you also have to remember that Kyle Wyman had done really well the day before and finished third and was fast. And Kyle, I don't think that, I don't think Matthew would have, would have stuffed it in there in that chicane where he did if he, if Kyle Wyman wasn't there but not, Kyle Wyman was starting to inch away a little bit and I think Matthew thought you know I got I got to stick on this guy um or or he's going to get away and I think he he you know he made that pass it was aggressive it wasn't in an ideal spot and and you know bad things came out of it but I don't think he I think he would have had a little more patience and would have done that pass somewhere else if it wasn't for Kyle and being in front of him and, and kind of getting away a little bit. I think he got impatient because he could see that bad things were going to happen. If, if Kyle got clear and he, he lost that draft going up the front straightaway, then, you know, he might've had a hard time and and that's, you know, that's a podium position that those guys are fighting for. So the on track thing was one thing. And then I, you know, Tony b- being as frustrated as, as he is right now, he, he reacted to it and I guess they got into it a little bit on the cool down lap and also in Park for May. Uh, and you know, again, I look at it as you know the, these guys are these guys are doing everything they can to be the best in their profession. And sometimes this kind of stuff happens. And you know what? You can be a buddy. What you can be, I could be friends with you right now. But if you if we get into it on the track, you know, that can change in a heartbeat because there's a lot of emotion there. And again, it's their job. It's their profession. They're doing everything they can to get to the next level, and that involves beating your buddy. Sometimes this stuff happens, but you know, as far as the as far as the series goes, hey, it's just another cool factor. Is if you're a Matthew Schultz fan, then maybe you're pissed off at uh, Tony Elias, and 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 the opposite it would be true if you're a Tony fan. So I think it just adds a little more interest to it, and and we'll see if if that rivalry continues. But I think it will. I don't think things like this, you know, pass away e- easily. I think they they tend to stick around, and. And if that guy has done that done something to you that you don't feel is right, then you know you uh, you look at him a little bit differently. Maybe in the next race, but they'll they'll keep their they'll keep it cool and and uh, and just have some good races out of it is what what I believe will happen. But yeah, it's a nice little rivalry, and the series kind of needs those rivalries because it's uh, it keeps people interested and and keeps them uh, keeps them watching.
1: Yeah, and it's of course. Two camps. You got two different sets of fans on it. You know, one side says there was an opening there. Matthew started to take it. You know, there's been some speculation whether Tony Elias leaned in a little bit or didn't want to. You know, tried to shut the door a little too late. The other side of it is Matthew shouldn't have even made that. Tried to make that pass to begin with. But the bottom line about the whole thing is it was deemed by race control uh, to be a racing incident. And it just, it happens in the course of racing sometime there was nothing, uh, in intentionally, you know, bad that was done there. It's just like you said, racing, you get out on the, on the track and, and things happen sometimes, but, um, it was, it was interesting and, and it, uh, yeah it's un, it's unfortunate but you know Tony Tony got back up and you know still finished uh, didn't did too bad didn't do too bad in terms of rejoining the race even though he stood there for a, few, a split second or two with his his hands on his hips kind of posing for a minute but it was yeah. like it
0: was, I mean this is motorcycle racing and that stuff's going to happen you know yeah. if, you stand, if you stand a motorcycle up by itself it falls over so um <laughs> You know these things happen, and 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 they're racing hard, which is what you want to see. I mean, if if these if they start pussyfooting around and all, you know, wave you by because you're a buddy and we had coffee this morning, that that doesn't work, and right. that's that's not. If, you don't want to see that because if you see that, you're not they're, you're not watching guys that are at the limit and that are pushing and pushing and and I mean, when I see something like that, yeah, again, I was I feel very bad for Tony, based on the year that he's had. Yeah you know, Tony will do the same thing to somebody. They all will. And if they don't, if they don't, they're not racing near the front. I mean, I was very impressed and And, and I, a big shout out to Kyle Wyman. Yeah. And I told him this to his face too. So it's not like I'm talking behind his back. Although on a podcast, I guess you're not talking behind anybody's back. But I mean, I told him when he passed Tony on the brakes into that chicane in Saturday's race, I was like, wow, that, that, that's, that's that kid making a statement that like, you know what? I'm not just Kyle Wyman, the guy who owns some his own team and races and you know finishes fifth or sixth and goes home happy. I'm a guy that's here that wants to fight with these top guys. It's working my ass off to get to that level. And I've built a team that's now competitive. I have a bike that's competitive and I'm ready to freaking race it and risks, risk having a crash or knocking somebody down to try to get to the next level, which is that podium, and do it consistently. So, you know, I, I was really proud of him. And, and making that pass on Tony showed – I mean, I, in the media center, I'm like, okay, one thing he's not going to do is back, get by Tony on the brakes. The words hadn't hardly come out of my mouth, and he went ahead and did exactly that. So I thought that that made a statement for him to all those other guys that, like, you know what, this guy is here, and he will battle. And I don't think that's something that they necessarily thought about with Kyle in the past. And that's not a shot at Kyle. It's just not. He hasn't, take, he hasn't been that aggressive. You've also got to remember, this guy, it's easy to get aggressive when you're riding somebody else's shit and they're paying for it. It's harder to get aggressive when you throw that thing down the road and all you can see is dollar bills tumbling through a sand trap. That makes that, <laughs> that, that, that would take a little aggression out of you. But you know what? I think now that he's shown that, I think that's the Kyle Wyman we'll see going forward. And that's the Kyle Wyman that will continue to get good results. So,
1: yeah, I do too. And, you know, it, I, I keep I've, I've said this before to you. I don't know if I may have said it on the podcast, but, you know, it's like factory, factory supported privateer. It doesn't matter. I don't care. The whole, you know, we've got bikes on the track. We've got a lot of different brands. So it's interesting in terms of the dynamics of the motorcycle. You know, hearing that Ducati versus the the Suzuki or the Yamaha, and it's just there's some great riders in our series, and they're putting on a great show. Again, all the classes were great, but you know, obviously Superbike being the premier class, and you know what we saw was another great weekend of compelling racing. And it's still early on. You know, Cameron we thought was going to kind of be, you know, be the guy. I we even talked: can he do? Can he win every race? Well, you always say that when somebody wins a few races in a row, but that's what's so great about our racing is think, you know, you never know, and it, it would be so hard to do that. And now that's, a, that's not going to happen, but I'm just so excited to go on to road Atlanta and, you know, people said, okay, road, uh, road America, we did two rounds there and we've joked saying, we, you know, we love the place so much. We'd like to do even more rounds there. But the point is it's, it's got characteristics that suit certain motorcycles, certain riders, Road Atlanta is a whole different story. And the other tracks we go to are going to be a whole, whole different story. So we don't know what's going to happen in any of the classes, but the cool thing about us getting to go to a different track now it, it, at the end of this next, uh, at the end of this month actually, is you know, it, the, everything resets again. And the the great riders are still going to be the great riders in the classes, but there's a lot of different compelling stories to talk about and you know, I'm I'm just really excited to see what happens next when we get down there, especially in Atlanta at the end of July. It's going to be the very definition of hot land and no doubt about it.
0: Yeah, it's you, you know, that the thing we did, the thing with Road America, that was unprecedented that you would actually go to the same place twice, yeah. you know, back to back like we did. You know, we've done New Jersey twice, but we did it in the beginning. And we did it in the end. Uh, so that I mean, everybody in the paddock has some sort of issue somewhere at any given time. I mean, yep. and Cameron's a perfect example of that. We thought Cameron was perfect. We Cameron, He was on another level, but you know what? You can make a mistake and everything changes in the blink of an eye. Uh, there was guy, the guys that struggled in race one at Road America were probably dreading having a race two there because they probably knew the same problems that they couldn't fix would arise again. And I think that's actually the case. Some guys that had a very good Road America one probably carried that confidence and whatever setup they had right into Road America too, and they're on their way again. So I think when we get to Road Atlanta, I'm not going to say everything's going to change because that's not the case, because the guys who are winning races now are going to continue to win races all year. But I think there's going to be some change and some mixing up a little bit as you look as, as the field goes down. And I think everybody's probably going to Road Atlanta thinking, okay, fresh start, new racetrack, Whatever happened to me at Road America, however bad I sucked at Road America, that was that was then, this is now, and let's go forward. So I think Road Atlanta is going to be exciting, and I think we'll start to, you know, as the series goes on, things start to settle down a little bit. You can actually see who's got what, but I think right now it's a little too early to uh, to pass judgment on anybody.
1: Yeah. Well, I think we can wrap it up here, but Paul, one of the things I want to say is, you know, we're, we're closing in on – getting close to 100 podcasts. It's a few away from that. We're in the 80s now, but we don't, you and I don't often just go it alone, the two of us. We usually have a guest on and we have great guests and enjoy that. And we're going to continue to do that. But on these occasions, when it's just you and I, especially following around like this, uh, as I said in the beginning, you you and I are so busy on the race weekend, we don't get to sit and talk about what we saw. And I really enjoyed you and I just kind of rapping about this whole thing. And you know it, it's fun to, to just have the two of us because uh you know we we uh we both we both have a lot of passion for racing and and have been around it for a long time so it's 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 fun to be able to talk to to just you about it
0: yeah i enjoy it and it gives my little espresso machine a workout because i i double up on these days so i have plenty to say <laughs>
1: So, well, anyway, fans, you know, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We get a lot of uh, comments on uh, these podcasts and it's always great to hear from you guys out there about how we're doing, the guests that we have or just us. And uh, we want to thank you again for tuning in and listening to us. And we want to remind you to please subscribe to Moto America Live plus our popular subscription streaming service. And it is popular. We get a lot of good comments about that, too. And I, I think the coverage is really good on that. And race weekend tickets, too. We we proved we're two rounds into the season. We've had one with fans. We followed protocols that we needed to amid this situation with COVID-19. And we're going to continue onward and upward. We are have been given, we to this point, the go-ahead to race at Road Atlanta and the rest of the series and rounds down the road. So... We're going to be there and we hope you will too. So please don't forget to get your race weekend tickets and the way to subscribe and the way to get race weekend tickets is to go to motoamerica.com our website, and you'll see links on there for complete details on how to buy tickets, how to subscribe and even to listen to our podcast, which we put on there too. So, um, so thanks to everybody. Thank you, Paul.
0: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, if I was you, I would maybe, do you have a sauna nearby? You can get used to the heat because it's going to be a cooker down there. But you know, one thing I like about the heat is um, I think it's just it, it's another way of showing who's doing their work and who's not. Because uh, if you're riding 15 miles on your bicycle, you might suffer. If you're riding 60 miles on your bicycle, you'll probably be okay. So it, it's always good to see. It's a place where hard work by our riders tends to pay off in that kind of heat. So. It'll be fun when we get down there, and I, I look forward to seeing you. I look forward to seeing our fans again and, and obviously all our teams and riders. So you take care of yourself, and we'll talk next week. And right now I'm working on it, but it looks like we'll have uh, Bubba Schobert on our on our podcast next week. And he's a legend. He's a good dude, and uh, it'll be fun to talk to him.
1: Looking forward to that. Okay, thanks, Paul. See you. All
0: right. Take care.